0: Driver
2: Fans, welcome to the Louisiana Radio Network. The Draft Circuits program. My name is Frank Santaroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, how are we? We're very good, thank you. Yourself? Wonderful.
3: Louise? Another, another year older and feel grateful for season. Older.
1: Year older, but a year
3: wiser. I hope so. And hopefully a year from now, I'm earning money doing what I love yeah. without scrambling for bookings. Here All right.
2: So, so this past weekend, we had a NASCAR playoffs. We're in Talladega, uh, which is generally a messy race. But this one was actually a clean race. And then Formula One was in Singapore, where Formula One put on a bit of a messy show. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a flip-flop there, but uh, both races quite exciting. And, and I'll tell you, Richard, I, I really believe that Formula One probably should do more night races because the visuals are absolutely oh, stunning, yeah. absolutely stunning, watching yeah. watching the cars yeah. under under the lights with, you know, with the sparks flying and all that stuff. So, but... Uh, yep. But oh, you of, wait
1: till you wait till Vegas next
2: year. I know that yeah that's going to be that's going to be wild with all the lights on the strip and all that stuff. That's going to be something else yep. to watch So But anyway, so we were we were speculating that uh, Max Verstappen could sew up the championship and clinch it here and he did not. He uh he didn't no. he did, didn't start from a great position and and really didn't make up a lot of ground during the race uh, uh on the flip side his teammate Sergio Perez uh controlled the race fairly well uh the, the entire day and 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 won the thing which is uh which is good for him because his performance has been a bit up and down this year so it's uh it's always not a bad idea to win some races at the end of the year to finish off on a high note so uh so Richard let's talk about uh, Singapore a little bit.
1: Yeah, first time since 2019 we've uh, been on the streets of Singapore and the in as they call it the OG night race. The, uh, the original Formula One night race, and uh, as you say, uh, visually a, a stunning event to be at. From a driver's perspective, one of the most demanding races of the year in terms of humidity and temperature. You know, they, they sweat like you cannot imagine. So you'd have thought they'd be grateful of this nice little bit of rain before the race, but no, that just ramps the humidity even further up. And uh, yeah, you know, the amount of weight that some of the drivers lose, um, you know, throughout those two hours, because it's normally a time-limited race um, anyway. Is, is is unbelievable so they certainly earned their uh earn their corn that uh, that that weekend but uh, the weekend sort of started off you know typical friday um uh, and then we saw some rain coming through on uh saturday for qualifying um pre-practice three just before qualifying was delayed or cut short and then the track was still a little damp heading into qualifying and uh, you know he was Pretty straightforward for the first two. George Russell got knocked out in Q2, which is a bit of a surprise. George had a messy weekend, just couldn't get the car where he wanted it to. Uh, And Hamilton looked pretty good. Hamilton was fantastic around Singapore anyway. You remember that qualifying lap from a few years ago that was probably one of the best laps he's ever driven. Um, But, you know, going into into third round of qualifying... um, Max was on a quick lap on his first of two flying laps, and they, the, the team aborted the lap to come in for some clean, you know, fresh tyres and, and get him back in the sink, I guess, with the clock and making sure that he was at the optimum spot on the track to to set his fastest lap at the end of qualifying. And um, halfway around his, his flying lap, which was quicker than Leclerc, who ended up on pole, the team called him into the pits, told him to, to pit, and that they would discuss it once you return to the garage and it, it, it turned out that they'd underfilled the car of fuel and um you know the rule is that if you can't provide a fuel sample at the end of qualifying you go to the back of the grid so they made the call to pit him early and um you know, at least keep his i think it was seventh or eighth place i think it was eighth place starting spot on the grid uh and not set a time rather than set a time and then go all the way to the back they knew would be out of fuel so a big operational error a strategic error from from the Red Bull team there, which really, really sort of hampered Verstappen's weekend as a whole. Uh, good thing he's got a 250 point lead or whatever it is in the championship, but uh, you know it's touch and go for a while there. <laughs> but uh, you know Le- Leclerc did what he could do in the circumstances. Perez ended up in Q in second, and and Hamilton I think was a little bit disappointed qualifying third, um, despite that being his best qualifying points of the season. So uh you know we we get through this damp or drying qualifying and then we get to the race day and about half an hour before the race starts we see this this sort of biblical monsoon come through uh the singapore bay and uh you know dumps a load of water on the track and it's um yeah the end the start of the race ended up being delayed by about an hour and uh when we get going it it's not raining. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just damp under foot or under, under tyre, I guess you'd say. And um, Verstappen had a very poor start, went almost went into anti-stall there and really bogged down off the line. Leclerc and Perez both made fantastic starts, but um, uh, Perez's second phase of his start was just that little bit better and ended up getting uh, ahead into turn one. And uh, fr- from the, the first two positions, that was the rest of the race. Over and done with really nothing too dramatic there. Um, Russell started from the pit lane after uh, I think it was either a gearbox or a, or a uh, power unit change. Um, Hamilton dropped down a little bit. I think he, I think uh, science got past him at the start, but uh, yeah, the surprise really was for Stafford dropping four or five spots off that start, and he never really got it back. He never really found his rhythm and found his momentum. You know, a lot of battling with some of these midfield cars and. And the track never really dried, partly I think because of the humidity, and also when you've got all this spray on a road, on a street circuit, you know, the spray gets thrown up in the air, but then it just drops back down to where it came from, you know, almost like Monaco, or even a little bit like spa with all the trees, you know, the rain rain doesn't dissipate, or the spray doesn't dissipate, so...
2: Right, yeah. Pre- you know,
1: combined with the fact, you know, know,
2: combined with the fact, we're running at night, so there's no kind of yep. s- you know sunlight to uh to uh you exactly, know, yeah. It, yeah. Just,
1: it just really struggled to dry. And the first guy to make that change on slicks was George Russell, and he was like, he was like watching Bambi on ice with George. Unfortunately, it was uh, it was a real struggle for him. But as he said, he had nothing to lose because they just it just didn't. It wasn't his weekend. um couple of clumsy little bits of contact thrown in there for good measure. Um, the team took out uh, Guan Zhou. Um, Alonso had retirement. Um, Sonoda crashed out. Hamilton span as well. Verstappen span. Uh, so it was just messy, a really messy weekend. Uh, a couple of safety car periods at the right time really helped McLaren uh, with with Lando coming in P4 and... Um, Uh, Danny Rick coming in P5, which was a great result for him considering where he started on the grid, uh, way back down there, he got knocked out in Q1, so yeah, it was just a, it was a good entertaining race in a way, but it was also very messy, very bitty, and yeah, it didn't have that flow of a classic race, so um, yeah, we'll see what Suzuka brings uh, this coming weekend, but uh, another track that when it rains, oh dear, it rains out there, so we'll see what, uh, we'll see what the Japanese weather brings this weekend, but uh, yeah, it's delayed Max's coronation for his second championship, and uh, we'll see what comes of that um, you know next weekend in Japan, it'd be ironic to to win it on Honda's home territory, and Honda are actually paying for a lot more livery space on the Red Bull and the Alpha Tauri cars this weekend. So I've got a sneaking suspicion that after this collapse of the Porsche deal, uh, Honda will uh, they'll turn back up again in Formula One as as branded engine supplier. Maybe, Maybe from a naming perspective rather than actually a technical partnership. But uh, yeah, I could see that Honda coming back uh, in a more substantial role than they have been or they announced that would be. So, yeah, yeah it is
2: it is quite interesting yeah that uh you know Honda Honda's been in and out of formula one more than anybody i think that you know they just they come in yeah they come in for, <laughs> they come in for a while they do well for a while they they, they walk away yeah. then they come back and they you know they, they, they always tend to do well when they are in there but uh you know you know they' they're they're walking away uh this pastime right when they're you know, starting to do well again after struggling with the McLaren. Yeah. And so, you yeah. know, and and the Porsche thing fell through. Yeah. They still keep their name on the car. Uh, very small. It's, it's, it's a Honda. I think Honda racing is, is yeah. the, the logo that's on there, which is actually a division of Honda motorcycles. Uh, but they, yeah. they still do get some, uh, some assistance, um, technical yeah. assistance through, through Honda racing. So, or HRC is called Honda racing company. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I can see them coming back absolutely. But it, it seems like the um, the Audi deal is still pretty solid for Alpha correct?
1: Oh yeah, uh, no, I think it's going to be Alfa Moreo that does the uh, Audi oh, deal. Although the, the, Sa- Sa- the, Tau- the Saver team, Saver. yeah, right,
2: Saver basically, right. yeah, because
1: Alfa Romeo announced that from twenty twenty three at the end of twenty twenty three, they'll be terminating that contract a year early. So you would imagine that uh Audi will I don't know what they're going to do it's a strange one because they'll probably run an Audi you know car powered by you know a non Audi engine in the same way that BMW Sauber powered by Ferrari you know was was kicking around for a while there so a lot of it's very strange how they do all that to do it's a lot of it's to do with the concord agreement and team names and um paying uh concord agreement uh, license fees if you change the name and and all that sort of stuff but uh talking about the uh, the big story i think really it's going to be lingering out this weekend i would hope to have heard an outcome of it by now but it's been delayed is the uh the potential budget cap breach by two of the teams um which is certainly going to be something that we're going to look at and talk quite a lot about over the coming weeks and months and uh Yeah, that could have some big ramifications on on the legitimacy of the FIA in many, many ways and how they handle these punishments because, uh, yeah, they haven't defined any punishments. So we'll see what they come up with.
2: Right. And the salary or the salary, the budget caps we're looking at, uh, as far as this are for the prior season, for last season, correct? Yeah. So 2021.
1: So the the process is for 2021, the budget cap was, uh, I believe, $145 million uh the accounts were submitted in march and um it's taken until now to to for the fia to analyze the accounts and and compile a report now these accounts will be you know these are the the mother of all audits in many many ways you know this is uh this is high level professional uh accounting at, at the minutiae detail and um there's supposedly two breaches by by two teams. One of them, uh, believed to be Al um, Aston Martin, is what they call a minor breach, which is within five percent of the budget cap. So budget cap of hundred and forty five million, so hundred and fifty five percent. About seven seven and a half million dollar overspend, which is significant. If I spent seven million dollars too much a year, I'd know
2: about it. Um, your 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 wife would <laughs> let you know about it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> doing it. Uh,
1: But um, but and then on the other hand, from the Red Bull side, who is supposedly the team responsible for this overspend, um, it's supposedly in excess of five percent. So you know, potentially as high as ten million dollars a year. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of this revolves around the Red Bull racing red bull technology red bull powertrain you know merry-go-round if you like those three organizations that are all under the red bull umbrella and basically when you see a car on the track each weekend they that car has input from all three of those companies um and it's not a secret that teams uh carry out you know pretty pretty trick accounting to 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 move money around and and uh, you know, almost give away gear boxes for free, for example. You know, depending on how it how it all falls into place. Um, so that's going to be very very interesting to see how that all works out. Um, see, but you th- know, obviously, Red Bull. Th- the, the
2: interesting th- the interesting thing here, though, is you know because we're so you know deep into the the following season now, right? And now we're mm-hmm. looking at this from last year, right? So, any you know, any kind of penalty, uh, whether it be points-wise or whatnot, was going to affect, you know, results that are already in the record books. You know, and, yeah. and, and you, you wonder, is there a way to – uh, you know, be a little more expeditious about the accounting, but when you're talking about these sums of money and and these kind of things, it's it's just a very time consuming process, and you certainly can't. Oh well, yeah, you know, sub, submit res, receipts throughout the season. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I get, I guess you could, right? And, and you know, if, uh, if if you spend too much, the FIA got to, you know the rubber stamp that says this is bullshit and put it on yeah. the invoice and send it back to you. Yeah. But uh yeah, it is because so now there's some, you know, some. Some of the more clickbaity, you know, type of Formula One web- websites are speculating that they could actually pull this championship from last year and award it to Hamilton, uh, which I don't see. I don't see the uh, FIA going to that extreme, uh, no. you know, particularly no. particularly no this this long after the after the fact. So, um, especially
1: with the. With with the
2: the way that last season
1: ended, anyway, exactly, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it wasn't yeah, exactly a clear cut thing, was it?
2: <laughs> no, so, no, I, um, I can't see them. That that gives them more of a black guy if they do something crazy yeah. like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's really a, a tough situation for them and how they handle it. This. Is it is?
1: I mean, I think uh, we 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 talked about this briefly off air um, before the show. You know, you can't penalize somebody for spending too much money by a financial penalty. Because I'll tell you now, a company like Red Bull, they used to spend $300 million a year, never mind one hundred and forty-five. So if you penalize them $10 million for going $10 million over the budget, they'd be like, oh, okay. So then Ferrari's going to do the same, Mercedes is going to, you know, it's going to defeat the point of a budget cap. Because it's basically, it just ends up that, you know, for every dollar over the budget cap you spend, it's really $2 because you're going to get that equivalent fine. You know, you can't, find them enough money to make it justifiable, really, because you're dealing with such fine margins of development. Um, You know, could you dock them wind tunnel time? Because obviously wind tunnel time is is limited. Could you dock them pre-season testing time? Say, okay, we've got 10 days of pre-season testing or eight days of pre-season testing. Uh, We're going to take four days of that away from you or whatever it may be. you know, the problem is teams, the teams with money will use their money to find the way around a situation like this. And and, and I, I've been thinking about this a little bit, actually. And, you know, what may be at play here is, you know, when some of these teams look to spend money, especially on, like, capital expenditure. So, say, for example, and I'm just talking off the top of my head, a new autoclave or a new... Um, you know, new, new set of, you know, some new windfall equipment. I mean, equipment that you can't just buy, you know, from Amazon stuff that is costing you, you know, as a team, hundreds of millions, you know, tens of millions of dollars.
2: Yeah. We're talking about a capital expense that would be amortized yeah. over the next several seasons.
1: Well, exactly. Now, right. are they doing that? Are they then, are they getting tricked with some of these companies and saying, Hey, look, you know, um, you know, Say that we're going to, on the accounts, make it look like it's going to take five years to pay for this, when in fact, in reality, it's only going to take us, you know, are they playing those games? I, I don't know. I'm not an accountant, so I can't tell you. But it's, it's a plausible scenario, I feel, that they're, they are doing some trick manipulation of the accounts with, with sort of strategies like that, potentially.
2: Well, I would, yeah, I would say probably better than potentially, yeah, because certainly, you know, when you've got the money and you've got the, you know, you've got the skilled accountants, you know, you're going you're exactly. you f- to you have- find a way to win, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, well, for all we know, there could be an organization out there called Red Bull Financial Services, which is actually the one handling all the money and, and paying all the bills and manipulating all of that, you know. So who, who knows? Who knows? It's a complicated situation for sure
2: yeah and again hard to please for the FIA but it's really important how they proceed with it so that they don't don't so they don't make themselves well, so they don't make themselves look foolish
1: a precedent has been has to be set here and you know it's a very difficult situation for them because if they're too lenient then as I say teams are just going to turn around and blast through this um you know budget uh, and, and that's one of the things that's inv- you know invited teams like Porsche and an Audi to the table. Maybe, hey, who knows? Maybe this is one of the reasons Porsche backed out because they, they they knew what was going on. Who knows? Um, you know, so it does leave an interesting sort of scenario as to, as to how, how they're going to cope with this and what the end game is going to be. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting. So I believe the FIO turnaround has said now that Monday is going to be when they announce their findings, if you like. Um, and uh, we, we, We'll we'll see what happens. Mind you, we're supposed to do that today, and it didn't
2: happen. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, they got they got to tread lightly with this one. So, but that'll be interesting. So, do we have a week off before uh, Suzuka? Or are we heading right there? No, we're straight into it. Heading straight into, heading, heading straight straight into, into Suzuka. Suzuka. Yep, another another classic track that's been on the been on you know in in Formula One for years. So, uh, and again, yep. we're stopping with a chance. Post-COVID hiatus.
1: With,
2: yeah, yeah, we're stopping with a chance to to sew up the title. For real, <laughs> you know, yeah. he had the shot, but I, I, you know, I don't see, I don't see him not winning the title this year. It's just a matter of, you know. It's just a matter of yeah. when. I think he has to win the race at fastest lap, and I'll do it.
3: Yeah. To get the max points. Going back to that thing, I'll chime in real quick. I know we talked about it about a couple, a month and a half or two months ago during, I guess, during the F1 break, that how Paris has regressed as winning at Monaco. And I felt like this was this was the race that I felt like he finally stood up for himself because, let's face it, since the first half of the year, like the first third of the year, to be honest, he was having his best runs of his career, and then he dipped to where he's now lucky to even be... He's luck, he's still in the mix with with Leclerc, but if Ferrari weren't Ferrari, it would have been... a Top two would be Verstappen and Leclerc by a country mile over Paris, but do I think he can finish second? If he continues to perform like he is, like he did in Singapore, who's to say he'll finish second right now? But that's the performance he's been needing real bad because even I admitted to you, Richard, that like, I didn't disagree at all because he has dipped. So this is the run he needed. And then when he had to step up because of the safety car infringement, he really stepped it up. It went from like a two-second lead to, and he got being seven at the line before they gave him the flag. Yeah,
1: I mean, that was that you know that that was an impressive run that last little um you know four or five laps there where he really pulled out of a gap but but outside of that i i and this isn't knocking Perez, by any stretch of the imagination but it was almost one of these races that i felt was handed to him you know he just you know it wasn't like he drove an amazing race he did what he had to do he drove well yeah those last few laps were impressive but ferrari never had the pace uh, Verstappen was was tripping over himself Hamilton yeah. tripped over himself you know, nobody really challenged him and he just went about his business and did what he had to do and just took home the trophy you know, so it was, wasn't yeah. uh, you know what I'm trying to say, it wasn't this yeah. like, oh my goodness me he's, he's that's, why I job emphasize,
3: that's why I emphasize at the very end when he needed to but he, it was the kind of run oh, yeah. he oh. had to have because that's been missing since Monaco and when they were saying oh, it was the best run of his career, I felt like, eh Monaco and even his first win at the secure Grand Prix were probably still top of my list just considering the circumstances he had to go through to get back into it.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He was never really pressured, but, uh, but again, you know, a win is a win and it's good for his, own morale too because I'm sure that, that he feels he slipped too and I'm sure it must be a little demoralizing to have uh, Verstappen as a teammate who just goes out there and decimates the field week in and week out so uh, yeah so good for him yep all right so you guys want to pick a winner for uh, Suzuka you, you think you think Max's gonna Max's gonna lead it all again or or uh, we see somebody, somebody different up there Suzuka's sometimes produces interesting results.
1: It's a great truck, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So who, who do you like, Richard? Like the Red Bulls?
1: Oh, he's got to be, yeah, let's just go. I think he gets it done at, at Honda's home ground and, uh, you know, that sort of um, scenario sort of starts to play out a little bit, doesn't it? With the whole Honda deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I can't, I can't say I disagree with you. I can't uh, say I'm going to go out on a limb and pick somebody crazy like ricardo so well uh, yeah i I say, <laughs> Ma- I say max brings it home too louise what do you think buddy likewise
3: on max but if i had to pick somebody different i feel like this is where he continues the winning streak this year yearly winning streak as in hamilton if i had to pick somebody else
2: uh, yeah hamilton has not picked up a win this year which is which is really interesting so uh we'll just have to uh and again you know I was going to say Suzuka is a, a good track for Hamilton, but over the years, pretty much every track of the calendar has been a good track for Hamilton at one time or another. So <laughs> I, I think he's won on all of them, perhaps. So, all right. So, uh, he's very NASCAR, few he hasn't, yeah. Very few. Yeah. So NASCAR was at uh, Talladega. Uh, and again, a Talladega is a race that we expect to be wild, unpredictable with a lot of carnage, but uh, this was relatively clean. Um, You know, a little lighter on cautions than we're used to seeing. Uh, We did we did have a pretty good pretty good battle at the end there with uh, Chase Elliott coming out on top. But uh, uh, but 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 overall, uh, you know, after coming out of Texas, that was a bit of a mess. Uh, Pretty clean race at Talladega uh, that uh, kind of solidifies Chase Elliott at the top of the standings. And our guys at the bottom, I think, are the guys below the cut line. Going into the Roval are Bowman, Bell, Byron, and Cindric.
3: Sounds about right. And Bowman is officially eliminated because he won't be. He didn't run Tal Vega and he won't run on the Roval because of a crash Concussion at Texas. Mm-hmm. So. And not just, yeah, he won't be the only one out, as Cody Ware also will sit out the Roval. He did compete at Tal Vega, but just the the demand of the on the legs and all of that on a road course does take a toll on a competitor, no matter the discipline. So it won't be him in the 51. So it's believed to be said the first time since 1998, that three full-time drivers are out due to injury, excluding fatalities, because otherwise we would include 2000 and 2001, of course.
2: Right. Yeah. So but this is honestly, uh, beginning to become quite concerning and we've talked about it on and off over the season uh, we've talked about the drivers complaining that the hits are much harder um and then we've speculated that it's just their their bodies are not conditioned to the way this car absorbs the energy but now we've got uh, you know guys that are out for the rest of the season or out for several races um with these concussion injuries so it's really it becoming concerning, and, and, and I'm just kind of wondering what NASCAR's next move is with that.
3: Yeah, it it, it is very concerning that we're dealing with this kind of thing. We haven't dealt a car that's had issues with, like, a series of injuries since the early 2000s, before the car of tomorrow, which is now referred to as the, the Gen 5 car. In retrospect. The, the, the car of yesterday. Yeah, or the yeah. car of yesterday. MS, yeah. We haven't seen this many drivers hurt or sidelined, and it does bring a concern because the damage, when you look at the damage model, it doesn't dissipate enough. It's kind of like it, like it does when you look at a car damage. It's it's not dissipate. It's not you don't see debris or radiators or all that stuff flying apart like you did in the mid two thousands when we had those hard hits. The, the more particles fell off, but it felt like they were not having that many injuries. Who's to say about concussions? Because we don't know until well after the fact you had Ward Burton tweeted about it. That he's had a series of concussions back in the day, but we didn't knew about it. The most famous example is Dale jr. How he went almost a whole year driving, had a concussion at Oh two until he opened it about and NASCAR were not pleased that he said it well after the
2: fact. Yeah. He said he was he, driving with double vision at, at times. So, which is pretty dangerous if you think about it. And, uh, and again, and again, like I said, very concerning for, for, you know, not only those drivers that are injured, but the other guys that are still out there, uh, you know, particularly when you come to a place like Talladega that, that, uh, known for high speed and sometimes carnage, you know, it's kind of, I guess, thankfully we had a good clean race, you know, without, yeah. without a lot of, uh, you know, without a lot of uh, accidents and multi-car accidents. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Richard, I mean, what are your thoughts on what what can they do to, to this car to kind of uh, change the way it dissipates the energy it's with, without an entire redesign?
1: I mean, it, it appears to be, if you look at both the Kurt Busch impact and the uh, Alex Bowman impact, it's it's where the car snaps round and the back of the car, back right-hand corner of the car, hit the wall. Um, now, the, the rear clip of the car, which is basically the rear suspension area, that is open to the team's designs to a greater extent. So they certainly can start to introduce, you know, new regulations into the design of that part of the car. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I, I think the big thing from a... You know, a NASCAR standpoint is is definitely the monitoring of the accidents and data gathering of the accidents and getting a a full and in-depth understanding of the exact dynamics of these accidents and what's going on in the car when the driver's hitting the wall, because these cars from a technical standpoint are not as complex as what we see in Formula One and an IndyCar to to obtain all this
0: you
1: the driver safety information and the uh, the accident data recorders. So, um, you know, they are going a little bit blind into some of these decisions. So obviously they don't wanna make a knee jerk reaction based on speculation rather than facts. So they have to be a little bit careful there, but um, yeah, it's gonna, you know, hopefully they can come up and, and, and work with the teams and the manufacturers and the drivers, you know, relatively quickly to hopefully alleviate some of these, uh, these, these issues. So obviously nobody wants to see drivers uh, you know, being injured in in the way that they are, um but also partly, you know, w- what we're also looking at here, I think, is uh and more, you know, and as much, um, you know, the impact from the cars. Which something the drivers are saying, the feeling, but also, you know, if you, if you go back ten, twenty years, you know, the concussion concussion protocols and the understanding of what concussion was certainly is nowhere near the standards it is now. And the treatment for concussion is, is 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 a lot more sophisticated these days, and the long term damage it can cause is is far better understood. So, partly also, you know, maybe ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, Kurt and, and Bowman would still be driving, you know, on on a regular basis, and, and the only reason they're not is because of the concerns for the driver well being and and understanding what the long term damage can be. So, I think there's, you know, I, I think to, to you know, it's almost one of these. A cuts cuts by a thousand knives sort of thing. It, it's lots of little things all, you know, bigging up into one big picture here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's an excellent point that we probably had guys that were concussed and just got right back in the car, uh, and, yeah. and and so yes, yeah, so maybe the hits are not that harder. But but you've got enough drivers that are that that are saying, you know, and and veterans like Harvick and Hamlin that, that when they when you hit. You really feel it in in a way that you didn't in the past. So, so there is there yeah. is something to that. Oh, there's that. certainly yeah. something in it. Yeah, yes. yeah.
1: As I say, my, I'm still the, I'm a, I'm a very big believer that it's the dynamic of the impact and the way because your brain does become almost trained in these impacts and how these impacts occur. And yeah, uh, you know, I mentioned it a couple of times. There's um, you know a couple of books out there by by to my mind one of the most influential people in, in football's history, Sid Watkins. Uh, you know, world-renowned neurosurgeon turned Formula One doctor. He wrote a couple of fascinating books on on how the huge, you know, the Formula One drivers' brain and body has evolved, for want of a better word, throughout their career into being able to withstand these impacts. Um, you know, because he was doing an analysis of some accidents. And if if you or I were in that car, you know, it would have killed us or caused extreme brain damage. Whereas a lot of these race car drivers just come out and go, Oh yeah, that was a big hit. Uh, because their bodies and their brains have become accustomed to these these sort of impacts and trained to withstand them. So, you know, maybe, that's as I say, I, I think there's a lot of that going on there, that the drivers aren't used to this type of accident. And, you know, again, you know, the veterans are the ones that are saying these things because they've had the most experience and they can go back 20 years, 15 years ago and have that hit at Texas. God, yeah, it didn't feel anywhere near as bad as this. Because you know the body has has, has has sort of become accustomed to it and acclimatized to it, so yeah, obviously a lot of work still to do from NASCAR's perspective, and I hope they do expedite it and come up with a, a solution that uh, you know protects the drivers because it's not a good look for the sport when you see three drivers that injured all at the same time. But um, yeah, let's let's keep going and uh, you know move forward and see where we come up.
2: All right, sounds good. So Louise, let's talk about the race itself a little bit. You want to take us through it? Yeah. Aside from a Multi-car
3: accident involving Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Harrison Burton, and Ty Gibbs that took a that collected a good a fair chunk of the field, but only three were out of the race. Due to it, the race was relatively calm. And the biggest thing that I was thinking going into the race is how will the Cup drivers find a way to make this yet another typical calamity of disaster? Because the the previous day the Truck Series was horrendously disastrous. Xfinity was super clean to the point that. You only had one genuine caution for the whole race. So I was thinking of my, mindset even in general, these drivers should probably consider going into the like it's two thousand one at Talladega. Yeah,
2: where, it wasn't yeah, wasn't the Xfinity race? It wasn't the stat that uh, every car that started finished. Yep. And that's the only that's, that's, that's the only time that's happened at Talladega.
3: Yeah, or at super speedway racing in general.
2: Yeah, yeah, interesting.
3: Yeah, so I was thinking how will they, and it, at the beginning it looked like, well, we're setting up for it, but here's the thing. The, this year, with the exception of the Daytona race in August, it's been relatively calm. Because yeah, you had your wrecks then and there, but it wasn't like your big disastrous ones where you get everybody collected, albeit the one at Daytona was part modern nature and part just reaction time and all that stuff. But Overall it seems like it was a race that had a couple guys in front for much of it you had you had Ryan Blaney of course you had Chase Elliott Kyle Larson Eric Jones was well in the mix so it was Ross Chastain so it looked like it was going to be a battle again Penske versus Chevrolet and then but all through that it was relatively clean we didn't have another major wreck after that aside from LaJoy who had had a hard hit in the turn 1 wall after like would look like a tire failure or a suspension failure, but he was out of the race after that. But from there on, it was just a matter of using your hands strategizing when to make the right move. And lo and behold, at the white flag lap, Chase Elliott made the right moves when he needed to, to get by the Blaney and those guys that he was able to get his fifth win in the season by, by inches over Blaney, which was a big relief that they used their hands. Cause that's been my biggest complaint. For the last half decade plus. About super speed racing. Is they're not using their heads. They're not strat- they're not using their potential. To really strategize. Play like a chess game. To keep the super speed racing. Intense in a clean way. And we saw that this Sunday. I think part of it may be the fact. Because of what happened to Texas. Where all these drivers. Had horrific accidents in the flat tires. And the concerns of the car. That they really had to be in their best behavior. And they did much like. It was back in the spring Talladega race in 2001. The first Super Three race after Earnhardt was killed. They used their heads and it ended up being a caution-free race. They they looked out for one another. Even when the cars wobbled in 2001, they waded back enough to the point that you had a couple near wrecks that, that ended up just being incredible saves. And we the race went on without any drama if, if, as far as attrition, aside from stage one.
2: Yeah, and again, as I, as I watch the, the cars of Talladega, it seems to me like this particular, you know, the Gen 7 car, um, it seems to be a little more stable uh, under high speed and on the super speedways than, than previous iterations of uh, NASCAR chassis. Uh, I don't know if that's just me you know reading into it or if it actually is, but uh, it seems to me if they get, they get a little loose, they can kind of gather it up. A whole lot better than than they used to. You know, it used to be you got a little loose, next thing you know, you took five guys out. So, yeah. But you, but you see, guys get a little bobble now and be able to gather right back up. So,
3: yeah, i would be curious to see what happens uh, the next next year with the Super Speedway races. Your traditional ones, that's in Daytona, like Atlanta, it's a wild card Super Speedway in my book.
2: I don't know, I think they just decided Atlanta was a super speedway even though it's not really but <laughs> you know they just did this a new gimmick we'll call Atlanta Super Speedway but uh, yeah it is a very fast track but um yeah
3: yeah um, I would be curious to see how how if they keep it up going forward because if they do then we're really going to see like what we saw back in the day when you didn't yeah you'll have your one multi car accident but otherwise the ones who are really smart will make Ramu smart and they'll be at the front when it matters most. And, oh, and mind you, this in that battle, that was for two lap. There was a two-lap shootout because Daniel Hemmer's car would not fire and they brought a caution. And they should have seen wait a minute, did he threw the yellow just because his car wouldn't go on pit road? And then I saw, oh, he was right; he's already out of pit road. Just it would not get going. So it was a justifiable yellow as soon as.
2: Uh yeah I mean, yeah he yeah uh, they had they had to move that car before they they got going up to speed yeah so uh but yeah but it set up the shootout which you know I was afraid here we are now we're gonna have multiple overtimes you know we've seen that so many times at these super speedway races that we go go a lap and a couple guys wrecking again and again and again but now these guys held it together really well and again you know Chase Elliott just making all the right moves there at the end and taking the win. So, and, and and poor old Blaney can't seem to buy a win this year, but, uh, but good race out of Blaney. Yeah. It was a strong run that he'll need if he's going to make it further,
3: but he's still got to find a way to get that win because time is running out. We're down to the final month of the year. Because, like, as we're recording this, we're a month to—I believe—a month to the day where we will crown us a cup champion.
2: Right. We have what five races remaining. Yep. The, yep. yep. The- and this, we we are coming up to uh, the Charlotte Roval this coming weekend, uh, and it is an elimination race. We already talked about who's below the cut line. Uh, but there's other guys right above there that could be in danger, particularly if one of those guys. Now, now, like we said, we know Bowman's out, so that's a that's that's a gimme there. So but there's going to be three other guys eliminated, and and again, we said it was uh, it was Sendrick, uh Byron, said, and Bell, and yeah, all but, the yeah. You said
3: okay, yeah. But here's the thing: aside from Chase Elliott, no one is necessarily safe. There's not real. There's some that are in the twenty low, high twenties and thirty to the good, but they could have a problem early in the race and they'll be done. So there's nobody necessarily safe but Chase Elliott right now.
2: No, and and again, there's nobody that really looks like a championship favorite yet. No, not yet. No, no nobody has... has
3: been non-playoff drivers with the exception of Bubba, who's 45 cars in the owner's championship.
2: Right. Yeah. But even, even then when, uh, when, uh, Hemrick won last week uh, or, um, Reddick rather won. He was Texas, already out. He was already out. He was already out. And then he wins the race, but okay, here we go. Week too late on that one there. So yeah, Chase yeah. Elliott, the first guy who's still in the playoffs to win a playoff race, uh, this I... season, so yeah, yeah. yeah I but, still
3: feel like Logano is the one you got to get through, but Larson has stepped it up a little bit, and of course, Elliot winning. But I still feel like you got to get through Logano. I feel that's my gut feeling right now. You got to get through Logano in this playoffs.
2: Yeah, Logano's been pretty consistent, pretty consistent this year. Yeah, but uh I, I mean, and Elliot, Elliot looks strong every week as well. So
3: yeah, it's just what happened at Darlington, the Texas I kind of stepped it back a bit, but now that he's got that win, that Mojo should probably get back. And who's to say Elliot could go on the tear and win a good chunk of the remaining races.
2: Right. Right. And as could, uh, you know, Kyle Larson, you know, who's been kind of really quiet this year. You know, after yeah, after last year winning multiple races, he's been kind of quiet this year. But there's no saying that he may not unleash the beast here in the last five weeks of the season. And, yeah, you know,
3: just to say Hendrick are on the up. Uh, Penske are not too far behind, but the one they need to get it together. And I think I've already mentioned this already is track house because people say Chastain is a close favorite. He hasn't been, quote, unquote, retaliated for all the troubles he caused for much of the season in the eyes of the drivers. <laughs> when are they gonna step it up toward like they were in the beginning of the season, especially Russ, because some people said a Russ could be up there fighting for the championship, but we have not seen it from him yet.
2: Nope. Not yet. Him. I mean they
1: had that purple patch, didn't they, in the summer? Where they did win, you know, multiple races in a pretty quick succession. But they've been off the pace since And you often see this, you know, the the cup season's so long, you know, the the guy that's the fastest in Atlanta or, sorry, in in Daytona or, you know, Atlanta or wherever the first few races are, very rarely are they going to be the fastest player, fastest drivers come the end of the season or the middle of the season. It comes and goes in waves of performance. So Yeah, like Roush and Martrex
3: Jr. They look like they were going to be beatable at Daytona, unbeatable at Daytona, and they got beaten, and then over time they basically not been on factors to some extent especially Trixie's he's not been a factor of those super speedways
1: well, no super speedway no you know in all offense to martin you know he has had a number of races where he's dominated the races but unfortunately never got over the line in the regular oh. season which which cost him that uh that that postseason berth, but uh-huh. sort of playoff birth but yeah it's uh you know you you see these sort of waves of going you know you know as you say um you know, a week out, or sorry, week out, a month out from Phoenix, where we have a championship ground. You know, does anybody stand out to either of you as like, yeah, this guy deserves to win the championship because he's been the dominant driver of the year? To me, it doesn't feel like there's been anybody.
2: No, the there's, Yeah, 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 course, there, yeah. There's, yeah, there's no championship favorite in my mind. There's no. I mean, this is like anybody's game. You know, as long as yeah, you're not, as yeah. long as you're not eliminated, you still got a shot at it. You know. Yeah,
3: because you have guys like, oh, okay, Chase Elliott looks beatable. Ross Stain looks beatable, unbeatable. Excuse me, Tyler Reddick. It goes through Who's a out? cycle. Yeah, Reddick is out. out Bell is Bell yeah. looked really good in the round of sixteen. Now he's he's trying to get it into the next round, and Ellie. And of course, Elliott has been there, just having a rough had a rough playoff stop ordeal.
0: Yeah. It's
3: a very unknown, to be honest, for you. So it's anybody's guess who's going to win the is, championship.
1: I wonder if this, you know, it could be like Hamlin's year where he just, you know, gets it together at the last few races and and you know, nothing spectacular, just does what needs to be done. Who knows?
3: Yeah, time will tell. And Hamlin has won a Phoenix a time or two there as well.
1: Yeah. yeah, all,
2: all you got to do is be ahead of three other guys at Phoenix and you're, you know, and you're there as long as you're in those four. So and yeah, you've I got,
1: mean. you've got five very different race tracks coming up between now and the end of the season. You've got a road, you've got the row hall. You've got Vegas, which is your classic track. The homestead's a bit of a, you know, an oddball track, you know, you've got to run high line there, which will obviously benefit guys like last. And then you've got the paper, Clint Martinsville. And then, well, Phoenix last the rest of the season. That's just a crapshoot, isn't it? That's just have at it boys. And, uh, you know, see who wins.
3: Yeah, and you wonder, it's like the big what if it's like if Reddick didn't got eliminated, he, he would probably, that's why I had him in the championship four because I felt like
2: Homestead yep. is favorable to Reddick, but he's yeah. non-factor now. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so uh, so let's talk about the Roval and who we like for the Roval. Um, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. I, I like uh, Chase Elliott for the Roval. I like the fact he's got momentum whoa, co- Frank, coming out. Don't,
1: don't, whoa. Well, don't go out on a limb there, will don't you? Don't go out on a limb there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Richard, you're going to the race this week. Hope you have a great time. I would love to go to the road. I will be there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, I might I might,
2: I might put that on my calendar for next year because that just looks like a yep. a really fun event to go to. And Charlotte's a very very, you know. very nice facility. I've I've been down there for the um yeah
0: the, the October
2: yeah, yeah. the October race in, in years past before it was. Uh, on the roval so and i've always enjoyed yeah. the facility and i enjoyed downtown charlotte as an area to visit beautiful so city. yeah yep. Yep. yeah I, yeah
0: I, roble,
3: yeah roble is a bucket list track in fact the rest of the season are bucket list, except for phoenix because i already been to phoenix a time or two likewise going again this year
1: <laughs> martinsville at the end of october is not all it's cracked up to be it's cold. So it's just, uh, it's no, cold. I know it's we're, we're, I know
3: it's cold. It's like Martinsville it's just Martinsville just a bucket less track in general does better yeah, the time period. They you know? actually
1: um, they actually uh, they were testing there these last couple of days uh, getting some data for that late race but uh, yeah I think it was pretty cold up there as well during their testing.
2: But, uh... All right, so Louise, who, uh, who do you like for the Roval?
3: I feel like I talked about it a little bit a little bit a minute ago. I, I think I'm going to go with Ross Chastain. I think he gets his road course win redemption after what happened at the Indy road course.
2: Okay, so Chastain, for you, solidify a spot in the next round of playoffs. So another guy I think you got to watch out for is uh, Sendrick. I mean, he he squeaked his way through the last round and he's he's below the cut line this time. So I, I get a feeling like maybe luck's going to be on this guy's side and he'll squeak his way into the next round, too. So, but yeah, we'll he see. Could but get
3: it done. Who knows? Ah, it's also all the road, road in the mix yeah.
2: too, Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: so Almondinger could keep the non-playoff streak, non-playoff momentum going. Yeah, you can't.
2: You, yeah, you can't ever bet against Almondinger on any road course. I, I mean, that yeah. guy is just yeah, he's he's a ringer. Almondinger, the ringer. Dinger, the
3: ringer. So. Yeah, and him going full time next season with colleague, Early, watch out for him as far as being a multi-time winner. But time will ultimately tell, of
2: course. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about this penalty for Kevin Harvick. Um pretty massive uh, penalty 100 points and then loss of a crew chief for the next four races uh, for unapproved modifications to the car after Talladega yeah it's not the first time we've seen mm. this I think
3: McDowell had a penalty like it as well where like they brought the car to an R&D and then a couple days later got bought for a penalty
1: well it wasn't just a uh, um, you know modification to the car it was a modification to a standard part or whatever the phrase terminology they use is um i can't remember the exact terminology but it's it's a a a, a uh controlled part should we say that uh that nascar issues to the teams so um uh, yeah to, to to modify that um is a um a single source part i think is the phrase they use yeah modifying that is a big you no know, you're um yeah yeah that 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 gets you in uh uh in, in NASCAR's bad books pretty quickly there.
2: Uh yeah, now I'm sorry, did you did you tell us what the part was?
1: Uh I don't think they've said what the part is, but yeah. it's uh, it was a standard issue part. Um so let's have a look yeah it just says NASCAR officials issued an L two level penalty Wednesday on the number four Stuart House racing 14 for unapproved modifications of a single soft arc. So that could be an engine component, that could be part of the suspension, that could be part of the chassis. There's so many things now in NASCAR that are single source. Uh, so basically, you know, every team has to buy the same part from the same manufacturer. Yeah, uh, yeah you're, it, you're, you're it, really...
2: It'd be fun to know what it was, just so we can kind of discuss whether yeah. or not it gave them a performance advantage. Because we've seen guys penalized for things that that don't necessarily give them any kind of performance advantage, you know? So yeah. uh but but again, you know, you, you gotta play by the uh, rules. So, so um yeah. But I, I you know, we had what was the penalties a couple of years ago for the the, the deck lids and things like that? It take tec- metaphors. Oh yeah, some of them they yeah, know exactly yeah. what they doing. Yeah. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, or the or the
1: tape I'm sure they knew exactly tape on the nose, yep. yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, They
2: knew exactly what
1: they were doing. So yeah, that's that's a big one. That's uh yeah, that, that'll take some explaining to get away with that one. And uh, obviously they couldn't explain it well enough.
2: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, Harvick's already out of the playoffs, so the 100 points doesn't really mean a ton to him. You know, he's not going to no, drop no. too far, it's, it's, farther back yeah, than he already is.
1: It's probably a like, oh, let's see if we can get away with this for next year. And then you keep that in the back of your mind and say, yeah, remember at Talladega where we, we did this, that, or the other? Well, see, yeah, we got away with it, so we'll do it again. And then we'll get hauled up. against you know, oh, you couldn't do this. You said, well, hey, we ran this at Talladega. you didn't have a problem with it. So, you know it's all little tricks that these teams play at this time of year,
3: yeah, for sure. All it does is gotta deny him a banquet spot for in Nashville where it's the top ten if they still do that, the top ten I think
1: he'll there. be perfectly okay with that, yeah,
3: I don't think, yeah, I don't think he'll care anyway, it's not he's out of the no. championship, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's he's kind of mad at NASCAR right now. Anyway, so thing yeah, he's minus,
3: basically he's basically over he's, he's over it th-
2: as far as 2022 is concerned. He he certainly is. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. So, all right. So we got about uh, 10 minutes left. So um, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, there's a couple other little bits of news here. Uh, there have been some management structure changes at McLaren uh, IndyCar team there. They've uh, they brought in uh, Brian Barnhart is going to be uh, crew chiefing on Rossi's car. Rossi's going to run the number seven. Felix will run the number six, so their car number will be five, six, and seven. Some folks are a little up in arms because when after Wickens got hurt uh, back when the team was um, Schmidt-Peterson, they said they would reserve the six until – you know, Wickens returned, but it's quite obvious now he's not going to return uh, to car racing and, and, you know, motor racing has never been one to retire numbers. You know, you just looked no farther than Austin Dillon out there running the three to tell that. So, uh, so there's that little bit of news there, man, and they have a new, uh, director I, the guy's name escapes me. So a couple of changes there, McLaren, um, yeah. Benjamin Kyle is no longer with them as well, nor McLaren. Right, yep. Um, Benjamin Peterson has signed on to drive for AJ Foyt next year. Uh, Peterson, who contested the Lights um, season this year. So he will be uh, going to AJ Foyt to partner along with um, Dalton Kellett as uh, Kyle Kirkwood moves over to Andretti. So uh, uh, a funded rookie, um, which, uh, you know, AJ desperately needs the funded guys, but, uh, uh, you know, the guy isn't horrible. He's not a, he's not a, a, a no talent ride buyer. The guy's got some chops to him, but, uh, you know, anybody hopping into a Foyt car is a, it's a tall order to kind of get any kind of result, but, uh, but it's a, you know, it's a good career step for him to move into a full-time car ride.
3: Yeah, for sure. And it does help the, Pacific Northwest side of things. He he, he resided from Seattle before he moved to Indianapolis. He's a Danish American driver that won an Indy Lights race at Portland this past season. Has wrecked up a good amount of podiums in the two years he was competing for. Yep. So yep, it'll be it'll be interesting interesting to see how he fares because, like you mentioned, the Ford is kind of in a, in an odd spot right now where they're funding cars because remember his startup is as a three three car effort then. Rocket didn't pay up, so they have to seize the 11 car for the remain after mid Ohio. So, be curious how he does it. So far, he's the only confirmed rookie for 2023. We're still kind of waiting to see what Linus Lundquist does with the scholarship and were, what right he'll end up ho- full time or part time or so on.
2: Yeah, so did we discuss that? the The scholarship? Where they no, cut, we didn't. They, yeah, it's kind of, uh yeah, because it used to be, what's a million dollars or $1.5 million and guaranteed three starts in IndyCar. Yeah, and then, the then then when Linus uh, gets his check, it's $500,000. Uh, <laughs>
0: and <laughs> and
2: the, the, the reasoning behind that, I mean, uh, problem number one is they didn't bother to tell anybody this ahead of time. What the prize fund was going to be, but I guess it no longer includes the three guaranteed uh, uh, starts in IndyCar. Uh, but the the difference is this year they're paying prize money um, for the top three finishes at every race, whereas in years past there was no prize money for Indy Lights. But now there's prize money uh, every race meet they have. Uh, so that's that's the other. Half of the million dollars there, and and but uh, uh, but but again, the biggest thing that has people upset is uh, just just now finding this out. You know, we couldn't have uh, said that at the beginning of the season. This is how this is structured now. So uh, so uh, you know Lundqvist went from you know winning the championship where he should be guaranteed a couple of starts. Now now he's you know trying to search for a ride. So but uh, but the kid is good, and hopefully somebody will will pick him up. Yeah,
3: it's just a matter of who right now because I think I mentioned before somewhere that the 78 car for Hunkos is there, but I feel like they ought to get a veteran driver or a funded driver to be a part of that team to kind of further boost up
2: Kyle Mylott. Yeah, I'm not sure um, who out there is a a veteran that's uh, unless like... uh, Because, you know, Ryan Hunter Ray does some side work with yuncos um you know he's he he does some driver coaching work and and consultant work with them so if he wanted to get back into full-time uh back back into a full-time car that's a possibility if they want a a, a solid veteran driver you know he's only one year out of full-time competition but i don't know what his plans are he's been running um Sports we're running, car we're running him, yeah. so yeah. So and he's been yeah, he's been doing pretty well with that. But uh and who's to say he may get the the
3: Canon role for the five hundred with Ganassi now that Canon has been rumored to go to Aaron McLaren, which debunked the Kyle Bush to McLaren five hundred dream.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's another one. Yeah, they said that they they really haven't had a conversation with okay, well Zach Brown said he hasn't had a conversation with uh, Kyle Bush, not to say that somebody in his organization hasn't. But they said they prefer somebody with some 500 experience, which would be, you know, Tony Kanaas certainly has 500 experience. Of course, Montoya uh, drove for them last year in in the 500. He's got 500 experience. And then you've always got there's a plethora of the, uh, you know, 500 only guys out there that are searching for riders, Sage Karams, J.R. Hildebrands, Oriol Servias, Tagliani's, all those guys, um, you know, trying to trying to to, to bum a ride sometime in May. So, but uh, yeah, if, if Canon goes to McLaren, that does open up the, um, the extra Ganassi car, unless Ganassi does not run a fifth car at Indy like he did this year. Cause he's still planning on running four cars full time, uh, where I believe it's going to be Jimmy Johnson on the ovals <coughs> or at least part-time in the car and somebody else filling in the rest. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen's name was mentioned there, I don't know how strong that is, but, uh, you know, that would be very interesting to see. I think Kimmy would excel in an IndyCar even, you know, as as long as he's been around. This is, you know, one of the few things he hasn't he hasn't tried. He's he's raced about everything else. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'd be curious if he.
3: Well, yeah. And then people will be asking ultimately when he's going to run the 500, if he's interested up for it, that, that's another big mystery with that yeah and, and then, if he's then, sort then... and if if it to say if it does happen with Riken and runs a part-time schedule and then if he wants to run the 500 though that's your fifth Ganassi car that debunks
2: hunter ray from the equation but who knows right now who knows right now yep so anyway but yeah there's a lot of yeah a lot of months in between now and the start of the IndyCar season to settle all those things so but what there's not is a lot of time Left in tonight's show, so I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. I want to thank uh, the Hoobazoo Radio Network, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you, folks, that listen to us every week. But until next week, good night. your W-H-O-B-A-Z-O. website